0: Hi everyone, welcome back to the Tree Top Chat. This is episode number 15. Uh, we hope that you are uh, having a great summer so far. Uh, last week we spoke to Ludu, who is the uh, head of the tree care division at Teufelberger. Uh, we had a great conversation. He gave us some, some insights to his personal life uh, and also some, some very nice uh, insights um, on Teufelberger and how that company works and the products. Uh hopefully we're gonna see more of the products coming out uh this fall or uh, beginning of next year. Uh so um here at Risk can we uh, speaking of Teufel burger, we had a small batch sent to us of uh, the uh the Drenline jungle limited edition rope where five percent of the revenue is gonna to go to jungle preservation. We only have a few of these babies. Uh this is 60 meters, um uh, has a, a soon slice. Um It's it's not the um, part of the the supply program so this could be difficult to get through the zigzag for instance Uh, We also uh, this is going to come up on the website over the weekend or early next week. We also have uh, this beautiful uh, Courant Dock uh, 60 liter um, Bag you can use as a rucksack as well We also have some some more stuff coming from from DMM uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks So, today we will be speaking to a very interesting person. Uh, We will be speaking to Mark Bridge, who is the member of Tree Imagineers Group, uh, which is a collaboration, uh, as you might know, between DMM and Teufelberger. Mark is a very experienced arborist and and may even be considered as as one of the best climbing arborists in the world, actually. Uh, He will give us some some, uh, great insight to his professional development, as well as give us some other tips. So, Mark you on? No. No, he's not on. He's having some technical problems it seems like. Okay. It says that everyone else is available to join but for some reason not Mark. Okay, we'll wait for me to chat with him I guess. I'll have some uh, water from my Arbrisk bottle here. Um, As you may have seen, uh, this app is now released and uh, available for people to download and uh... for the app and the development technical issues oh, are you there yeah yeah all good hi mark how are hi. you yeah good thank you yourself i'm good i'm good thank you um friday sun is uh, shining and uh... it's a little colder now but you know it's all right yeah Friday's always good isn't it <laughs> <laughs> exactly so um um we're going to take you through the, uh, the talking points here, so I'll, I'll shoot right away. Yeah, far away. Thanks for the invitation, by the way, Anders. Thanks for joining. It's a pleasure to have you here. So, uh, so uh, Mark, tell us, how did you get personally involved in the arb industry? Has it been your, your job and your passion for a long time? Uh, it probably be good if I said yes.
1: Um, it, was, it was a coincidence, really. Um, I was just, I was dazed and confused and a friend of mine asked me whether I'd be interested. I'd actually been working, a friend from Ireland who works here locally, and he asked me, I'd been doing holiday jobs with him, and he asked me whether I'd be uh, consider a training with him, and I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't make a very good story, does it? But actually, you know, it's one of those things that's just worked out really well for me. Yeah. Um, you know, it's... Um, sometimes these things happen in life don't they yeah, yeah and it's just it's just worked for me so yeah is that sound quality okay yeah it's good
0: absolutely good. Good. yeah so yeah and i've never looked back really okay cool. so tell us a little bit about the uh, Tree imagineers initiative you know what is it for the people who doesn't know um
1: pre-imagineers is, is a collaboration between um Chris, Ben, Benchtasso and myself and um, it was one of these things where it started off as discussions. Uh, Chris and I were doing a lot of work together when Chris worked in southern Germany and um, we knew each other and better from the competition conference circuit and um, it really started off as discussions about configuration and um, you know, the, the way we were using equipment, you know, back in the day, of course, that would have been a, a Petzl PO5 jammed into a big HMS carabiner with, um, with just, you know, friction hitch cordage and a big splice tie jammed in the top of the carabiner. And it just got us talking about um, how, how we could improve upon those configurations. And we were thinking about, you know, just different techniques we might use and it actually ended out. Yeah, you know, we actually realised then that it was um, really equipment that was missing. So it kind of started off from there. And Beddoes had a prototype with the tree motion then. Um, so then we started look anyway. But that's probably getting into next questions. The 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 upshot of it basically was that we realised that many people have good ideas. Um, that, that what you really need to be able to interface with companies is some some kind of facade or some kind of entity that they can connect onto. So that led to uh, us um, forming Tree Imagineers, and yeah, it's kind of developed from there. I mean, essentially, the, the the basic tenet of Tree Imagineers has always been that it's something that we do because we enjoy working together. And uh, we enjoy what we do, and, you know, periodically we'll get together and we'll sort of ask that question, you know, is this still fun? Is what we're doing still interesting? Is it fun? And, it, and until now it has been, so hey, happy days.
0: Good, good. So, so uh, tell us, uh, what has been the biggest kind of learning points from team from engineers? What have been, the, you know, kind of the best experiences that you have had? Well, I
1: think you'd have to talk to Chris and Beddus about their best experiences. Uh, I think, for me, it's, it's taught me a lot. You know, it's taught me about... It's taught me patience. <laughs> These things take a long time to happen, you know, and things don't happen overnight. It's very easy to be impatient. I think one of the things that I think we've done, you know, that I'm... Well, proud is a funny thing to say, but it's that I'm happy about is that I believe... We have taken the time to review things thoroughly before we put them on the market. You know, we don't rush to market because everybody else is with a product until we're really sure about it. And we've had a number of projects where we got through second, third prototype phases and we were like, this doesn't work. And we just binned it. Okay. So, which, you know, bearing in mind that we've never been funded by anybody we've always been independent nobody's ever given us money uh, you know we've earned all the money and we've paid for everything that we that yeah that we use and um you know that that is painful then because you're paying for that process but as it is work at height and not grand theft auto yeah. our feeling is get it right because people are trusting their
0: lives to you yeah. absolutely so how long have you been doing this for now Eek! Thirty years, thirty oh. years in
1: tree care, and um, uh, tree Imagineers has been. Uh, yeah, there's different narratives. It's probably about seventeen years, wow. sixteen.
0: It's a long time. Yeah. So, so uh, what are you doing? You know, when you're not uh, working with tree Imagineers? what do you like to do? Uh this is going to look really bad. Look, I've got, I've got a friend. Right, he has a hobby.
1: Okay, um, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Uh, what I do, um, I'll basically, um, it's so easy to get tangled up in your work, isn't it? You know, and then you, I've got my tree care company, I've got the training company and Tree Imagineers, and it's just so easy to just really um, completely go down a rabbit hole. And I've, I've been dealing with some health issues over winter that made me realise that um, that's not enough. You know, you need to take time to spend time with friends you need to take time to just appreciate stuff and just do stuff because you feel like doing it so um why don't you ask me that again in half a year anders i'm working on it okay I it's a work in progress yeah, i'm working i'm working on hobbies
0: good good so uh, you also have a blog on on the Three imaginary website uh, where you are kind of the main contributor mm-hmm. so can you tell us a little bit about that blog what kind of things do you write about yeah um the
1: blog was, okay, this is going to be a roundabout answer, okay? Sure. You, you ready? Yeah. Um, the blog was, there, there came a point where, um, you know, big we realized big companies spend millions of dollars or euros or whatever on a brand building, and we obviously didn't. But we realized that a, a brand, you can build a brand, but a brand can also, um, you know, Develop itself, people's perception of your brand um, can evolve without you being aware of it. And we realized there came a point, this is 2014, where we realized that people's brand perception of Tree Imagineers is that Tree Imagineers and products associated with us are um, by definition um, high tech and high end. And, and um, that was never the way that we saw our contribution. We actually but it, to to my mind, it's not even. I mean, it's become focused on gear, but it's actually much more than that. And it's just about gaining a deeper understanding of what we do, and whether that's through testing or whether that's through events or interaction with people or or equipment or developing equipment. That all of that is viable. Um, so, yeah, exactly. Sorry, I lost track there. So. The, the blog was something that we decided to do to try and reverse engineer people's brand perception of us to give us the opportunity, or me in this case, to um, talk about stuff that we thought is interesting or funny or annoying or noteworthy, to just push back on, um, to keep people on their toes uh, the, in regards to the width of things that we think are important to talk about. Okay, So, In a nutshell. So, yeah, I've not been very good at it lately. There's just been a lot of other things going on. But it is something, I just, one of the things I enjoy about the blog is it doesn't have comments enabled. Um, So it means it's like a very slow conversation. It's none of this fast twitch, um, you know, new media type stuff. Um, I'll go to an event half a year after having written something. And somebody will come up to me and, and make it, well, this was before Corona, and um, we'll make a comment about something I wrote, and then we'll talk about it. And the person may, the person with a question or with a comment and me have both had ta- half a year time to think about it. And it's just a, it's just a very slow conversation. And yeah, i rather really like that. Cool. Nice. Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, in, we're talking about you know uh, when you're meeting people at different events. So you, you travel quite a bit, and you know you met people from all over the industry, uh, all over the world. Mm-hmm. How would you say that the arb industry you know kind of differs around the world? Um, well, Chris always says and he's gonna he's gonna
1: dislike me for saying this, but he always says Arborists, um hyperactive or dysfunctional or both. So you can choose. So, okay, point one, that's how ARB industry differs from other industries. Um, um, no, misfits are hyperactive. Sorry, misfits are hyperactive. That's the quote. Sorry, Chris. He's um, still going to be annoyed. Um, but, um, yeah, I think, you know, if I think back to twenty twenty five years ago, if you travel to an event in Spain or... Um, you know, in Czech Republic or somewhere else, you were going to see very different things happening there. I remember one of the first events in Brno I went to in Czech Republic, where one of the guys there was using, as a throwball, throwball, he was using perfume bottles filled with sand, wrapped in duct tape, which is great. You know, there's lots of great smelling arborists in Czech Republic back at that (laughs) point in time, probably, because they're all emptying out these perfume bottles. Uh, um, but um, there's certainly, I think what what we've seen over the over the last years with new co- uh, communication channels with uh, social media is a um, you know the, the industry has become much more homogenous. It's we've, we've standardised on certain techniques, which you know in some cases is beneficial. There's but there's also the, the price is there's a loss of diversity and I rather liked, it was was quirky, I rather enjoyed that diversity, um, which there is, of course, still. I think the other comment that I'd make is depending, you know, there's countries, you know, thinking about Scandinavia, thinking about Japan, and it's it's always difficult to make blanket statements like this, but where you feel that, if you're dealing with people there, they're they're people who have switched on, and there's a professional pride, there's obviously, there's a standing within sort of professional world being an arborist and then there's, there's other countries and i'd prefer not to name them but there's other countries where you feel that the, the it's much more menial what people are doing they're, they're, they're standing there's much less prestige involved in doing what they're doing and you know in, the, in, in that sense that it's also a different clientele you're dealing with um i'm always struck in america for instance um yeah, whether you're in one of the uh, um, uh, east or west coast big metro areas, and there's a show there, you're dealing with one set of people. Then you go out to the boonies to a you know a rural area, and it's a completely different set of people you're dealing with. I'm I'm trying to be politically correct about this, and um, and I'm actually you know what I'm not value judging. There's just there's a very wide range of people working on trees, yeah. and I think. And there's, there is differences depending on geographically, which region, which region you're in. Yeah, I agree.
0: Uh, so that must have been, you know, pretty rewarding for you to meet all those people in different cultures and see how people work in different ways, right? Well, it's quite humbling really,
1: because and every time I fly somewhere or I go somewhere, well, A, there's the question of I'm flying somewhere and how can I justify the, the carbon cost, the carbon footprint that this flight is generating? Um and you know what do I have to offer to this group of people that that is unique enough yeah ex- expenditure um in terms of energy but um and you know, I feel like yeah people are going to realize i'm i 'm a fraud, but there is i mean i think oh, I see myself as a sort of channel for communication between different parts of this tribe and, you know, just um, going to places, asking questions, um, offering um, my take or my view on things. One thing that I was never interested in being, which is one of the, it's not really an issue I had, but it's where I differ with... uh, some other people, the way they portray themselves on social media is, I've never had any, uh, my interest in being a guru is, I have zero interest in that, because I just don't find it interesting, because once you put yourself on that pedestal, once you put yourself on the guru pedestal, um, you can't learn anymore, because a guru can't admit that he doesn't know something, or she, you know, so uh, I go to an event to learn as much as the people coming there, have come there to learn. I know that every person in the audience has a story to tell. And how great would it be if everybody could tell their stories? Because I'm definitely here to learn. And I think you've just got to be humble in these things, and nobody's irreplaceable. And if, I, if I'm invited somewhere, it's a, it's, a, it's a privilege, and it's humbling, and it's got nothing to do with power standing on a stage. Absolutely zero to do with power.
0: Nice uh you know i i uh, when talked about you know traveling the world and so forth uh, i saw some posts on instagram where uh you know people are climbing trees with no protective equipment big chainsaw just standing there uh no harness uh nothing secured whatsoever so how have you seen you know security developed over kind of the past 10 years well i think the whole security the security
1: culture we live in Today is a very modern invention. Um, I'm very struck. I've got one of the sources I use for in one of the presentations I do on the historical development of tree care is um, Sharon Lee's book. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. It was published in 1985, where there's a picture of a guy footlocking, but there's no connection between the, the line and the climber. And uh, she writes that, you know, big companies. Um, uh, they don't approve. They, they don't really like you going higher than um, I don't know twenty feet because you're not really tied in. Which I th- which I thought was priceless because it's not something you'd say today. Um, and yeah, the, the, this the safety culture we live in today is is something is something is quite a recent development. Um, is it the right thing to do? I'm sure it is. Um, yeah i mean that's that 's my take on it, um, having said that, um, I was struck last year in Augsburg at the tree care days in the climbers Forum. We had a climber who 's from Romania originally, and he had pictures of himself cutting down a, a Lombardy poplar with no PP and, and, and an axe, basically. Or well, if you look at old pictures from the 1970s, um, I've got a set of pictures, again, people dismantling a, a Lombardy poplar. It, I think it's wrong to look at these people and go, that's really primitive, because you know we're standing on the shoulders of giants. We build on what went before, and I'm one point in a historical process. So the small contribution that I'm offering is one moment in a point in time. So if... You know, your grandson, 20 years down the road, does a treetop talk with somebody else. Oh. You know, they'll look, at back, they'll look back at what we were looking, what we were talking about today, and they'll go, oh, you know, it was part of a progression. So I think it's really important not to look back at old techniques and discard them out of hand. Three-knot techniques. A three knot climbing system to me is it's is a, is a backbone of what we do if you ask me what my favorite product is hands down i'd say it's the it's the ring to ring saver the camion saver because right. i can remember the first time i saw that product all right that's so neat it's such a simple solution to a complex problem and it just and there's just an elegance to it that i find very really striking okay
0: Nice. So, um, so uh, coming back to uh, you know tree engineers and and you know what is your your kind of funniest job story apart from seeing people using perfume bottles as straw bags in Czech Republic? Right? Well, that wasn't <laughs> funny enough for you, was it? Okay, I've got more. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs>
1: good. Thought, okay. So, okay. Picture this. So, I'm I'm somewhere in a trade show in America, and this was years back. It was when when we launched the. Um, the hitch climber and the tree motion, and we were, you know, I'm doing some spiel on the hitch climber and configuration and compatibility, and there's a bunch of tree guys, hairy tree guys, standing around, and and then um, you know they all take off, and um, you know I sort of turn around to start clearing up the gear, and there's this one guy who's standing there, sort of giving me the eye, and he, a yeah, big guy, long beard. Um, sort of caftan, hippie type, um, poncho type thing. And um, he goes, yeah, man, that was really interesting. Um, but um, what about magic? I was like, fuck me. <laughs> Sorry, excuse my French. Um, I was like, yeah, no. And then I looked at his, his badge, and his badge was Merlin. And i like, step away from Merlin, because he might turn you into a bunny rabbit or something. It's true. <laughs> I, I was like, no, I don't do magic. Sorry, mate. <laughs> But it's true. It's a good point. It's a good point. If we could use magic, it might, it might make our job easier. Yeah. I do think it'd be great to just be able to levitate up the tree.
0: Yeah. So um, <clears throat> then we, um, um, we already know because, you know, our standard question is, what is your favorite piece of gear in, in, of all time and why? So, oh, I that an that, right? so well, what is your second best piece of gear? okay we're working down the line here okay
1: Uh, well let me answer that differently these are roundabout answers I'm giving you I'm I'm not aware I'm sorry I think one of the the things I really enjoy about um, being about being involved in in designing products um, is you know people buy them that's okay but the really cool thing is it gives you cool gear to work with yourself so i just what just gives me a real what really tickle what i really just love is when you're using a you know a sea lanyard on the tree motion and the new eccentric and just everything's working well together and yeah. you know you're able to flow through the tree and you know you're not working against any of that gear the gears working with you kind of thing and i just love that when everything comes together and you're in that you're in that then that that tunnel of flow and it's there's just something immensely satisfying about that right yeah. nice. so i think it's just it's less specific pieces of gear and it's more the way that the whole thing
0: works together or the whole mm. systems work together yeah. so um um I'm, I'm sure you have a problem uh you know answering this question but you know is there is there any new products in the pipeline yeah i could tell you but then i'd have to kill you anders yeah i know <laughs> i know so uh
1: But Uh, there is product coming, right? That was a no. Yeah, no. We've got we've got a whole range of things. um, Very near completion. Um, DMM's been absolutely fantastic working through this pandemic time. Um, Teufelberg has been ticking over as well. So I'm really happy. um, You know, I'm not going to kill them. I'm really happy (laughs) that um, you know that, that our partners have managed to get through this period unscathed, which is by no means. Uh, self-evident and um, yeah I think I'm I'm very excited with you know what the next quarter half year
0: what we're going to be able to show you okay sounds very interesting so um, uh, do we have any questions from the audience here no no questions from the audience we'll come and let's carry on chatting then
1: Sorry? Let's just carry on chatting then.
0: Yeah. So um, so anything else you want to share? Because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of out of questions here, but, you know, uh, if you have some uh, stories or, you know, anything you want to tell us... Yeah, you know, okay, prefer. well, I'll,
1: I'll make up an audience question for you then. Uh, the audience question is, Mark, why is Tree Imagineers anti-SRT? And I'd say, oh, that's a very interesting question. Thank you very much, Mark. Because <laughs> we're not, okay? Um, I don't think that was... Um, it, this has been um I've really put my foot in it now haven't i um, i here's here's my thing I think it's wrong that we make up different sets of rules and standards depending on a on a rope configuration um, I think we should be setting performance standards for a work positioning systems period you know we shouldn't be singling out different rope configurations and then I think um there's you know one of the big conflicts that happened with the tccs and the various devices coming to the market which i unfortunately got tangled up in through no no choice of my own and was basically just um you know how is how are end users supposed and how are vendors supposed to make educated decisions um if products are not certified now hopefully well, oh, thankfully, we're in a better place today. We've got more certified products coming to market again. I don't, I don't think certification is optional, or certification is not optional, um, not just from a legal point of view, but I think that certification is also an opportunity for the people designing the equipment, for the manufacturers c- to communicate to the end user um, the way they foresaw it being used. It's a means for the end user to understand what this piece of equipment is intended for and how am i supposed to be using it yeah. so i haven't really answered the srt question the srt question is um it's part of the toolbox we use today yeah. um i think one of the interesting things to me about tree care is the structures we climb on are very diverse and um, if i go to places in other countries i'm like look you guys are the experts on the trees in your area on the tree shape and um, and structure and you have to decide what techniques work best and i just think it's important not to get stuck on one thing and not then not deviate left or right i think it's not a good idea to get stuck on one thing and compromise in safety not use access lines anymore not have a rescue plan anymore um, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think over-engineered systems are very clever. I think things things that are, are simple and intuitive and lend to correct use are inherently safer. So, and that doesn't exclude at all climbing on a stationary line. It doesn't, it, and it doesn't force you to use a doubled line. For me, the way I work, the structure I work, the, the way trees are here, um, ascending a stationary line makes sense switching over to double line makes sense as well and that's that's just worked well for me if something else works best for somebody else i'm fine with that as well i don't have it who am i to judge just make sure well, it's safe. Know,
0: I, I suppose you know it's like everything else is very individual but you know it sounds you know by you know what you're saying in a wise words. so uh, and who am i to judge you know and
1: our bodies are different shapes and sizes as well thing you know one thing that I certainly notice is um, you know after having climbed for thirty years, I do feel my hands um, you know holding on to low diameter climbing lines um, and um, you know a lot of what we do, the position of our wrists using handsaws using chainsaws pulling on the hitch your your wrist is always at an angle, and it 's just something that i 'm finding that increasingly and my hands just get tired and it 's certainly. One of the reasons that I'm glad that I've you know, well, actually no of my tier, over my whole climbing life, yeah. I've been able to use a system with integrated mechanical advantage. Certainly I'm glad for that.
0: But again, that's just me. That's my take. Good. So I think we have a question from uh Douglas Wells here. Uh, what what are your thoughts on, on mechanical rope devices? Um yeah, bring it on. I think it's great. great. Um, I think
1: you know, mechanical rope devices, um, rope-based um, adjustment devices, hybrid devices, I think everything's possible. I think it's something that many people are thinking about. Um, one of the interesting things, of course, is if you compare a lock jack or spider jack to a um, zigzag, you could say from the way they grab, there's there's equivalent hitches. So the the lockjack counts the line like a Prusik and the zigzag has multiple points like a vadetan. So it kind of, you know, I think these things sort of bounce off each other. I think... um, um, I think these things never happen in a vacuum, and they're, they're looking to existing models. I mean, when we were working on the the hitch climber, the initial hitch climber design, we were looking dimension-wise at the Petzl PO5, the old small red pulley that we we're using. We're like, that's tried and tested, that's a good size. Let's go for that. Right. Did the hitch climber, and I suspect that when Petzl were looking at the zigzag, they're like let's look at the hitch climber for dimensions. Yeah, I could imagine you, you review products that are out there. So, um, yeah, again, I come back to my um, uh, comment before is that these things never ha- happen in a vacuum and it's always one point in time in a, in a succession of developments.
0: Yeah. yeah, there seems to be, a, you know, there's a, there's a lot of products coming out and, and, you know, things like, you know, the pace is, is increasing with uh, new gear coming out on the market yes agreed
1: yeah yeah i think that's a fair comment yeah i, I think there are have... other questions there that i've missed
0: well you know i think we have another question here uh from uh, uh what is your favorite mechanical rope device um look
1: the other, many a number of people i know they're like you know, we've got to try everything that comes out I don't really have that ambition. Um, I use um, I use a, a, a zigzag for ascent. Uh, I've got a zigzag permanently installed on one of the on my my ascent line, um, which works really well for me. Um, I think it's a well thought out device and it, it it works well. Base friction is good. Um, I did I was using the love 2 for that, which for for my taste uh, was. Um, to aggra- I, I think they're quite aggressive in terms of the release. But again, maybe that's just me. Um, and the, the, the zigzag suits me better, put it that way.
0: Okay. So, uh, um, Mark, I think we'll call it a day here. Um, big thank you for, for uh, joining us and sharing some some your valuable experience and, and insight. Really appreciate that. Yeah, so, uh, so all, uh, also as usual, a uh, big thanks to everybody that joined this episode. Um, if you missed thanks, this man. one or any of the other ones, you know, uh, feel free to check our, our IGTV or YouTube channel. Uh, next week, we will be speaking to uh, one of the most popular brands in, in arboriculture, at least when it comes to uh, clothing, and that will be ArborTech. So uh, that should be a very interesting uh, conversation, and uh, we'll hear some some great insights from how that brand functions. So uh, be sure to tune in for next Friday, and have a nice weekend, everybody. And thank you again, Mark. Take care. Anders, thank you very much. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye.